it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants, featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazoni. Part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. This is going to be the hardest episode we've ever had to do in the history of the Giants Croncast on Fans First Sports Network. There's just no uh, way to cut it. The Giants stink. Uh, when they're not sucking, they stink. And uh, when they're neither sucking nor stinking, they're boring sad they're also sad i think they're kind of like borderline not rocky's sad because that's more pathetic uh charlie blackman having a chance to win the game and trying to get on base with the hit by pitch i mean just pathetic loser ball and yet they still were able to handle the giants but the giants are many negative things and it's i think it's hard to right now talk about something in a way a subject that's nothing but miserable no way that's going to make people want to listen, but we're going to give it a shot. That's why I say it. it's very difficult. It's going to be a really hard episode this week. Uh, so the thing about the Giants is you have to look at the positives, too. There's only 10 more games left. That's it. That's that's the positive. Uh, it's going to be over soon. It's like if you get pushed off a cliff and you're like on the bright side. This won't go on much longer. My big toe will be going through my skull imminently. (laughs) Uh, None of this is going to be my problem. This is something I do want to talk about, though. What is something that the fan base can take from what's going on right now? And I think we got to talk about it a little bit later just to set the stage. If you're only listening to our podcast, 
to track the Giants. There's a part of me that's kind of delighted that there's just someone being like, I don't know anything about the Giants. I'm going to, oh, like a, a friend of mine, Michael Clare, who writes for MLB.com, like when he would, you know, part of his morning routine uh, would be like checking all the team sites. And one of them used to be McCovey Chronicles. And then I was the managing editor and eventually he got off of that. But we're still friends. But, you know, it was just one of those things where he'd check in on everything. So without watching the games necessarily, he could kind of keep tabs on basically all 30 teams. I just think it'd be funny if people were like, what's going on with the Giants? And they dialed it up and they're like, oh, no. Oh, that's <laughs> awful. <laughs> so 76 and 76, they are still mathematically uh, in the wild card chase, which for a not insignificant number of the loud portion of the fandom is all that matters is just math, just math which is why I feel it was somewhat controversial when Gabe Kapler said after last night's loss or yesterday's loss in Arizona, that the math is not in the team's favor. How can, can he say that Doug? That is giving up. You can't say that the math still, still exists. There's still an outcome. What does that mean? Not in your favor. It's not, no, it's not zero. That's just not good. Uh, forward-thinking, progressive front office stewardship, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. The one thing that we all know is that the, nobody on the Giants should actually admit the truth. Mm-hmm. As you go out there and you say, we have a competitive team, or we, I think we have better ball in front of us, we're going to make a good run at it. You don't go out there and say, no, we suck shit. And we're going to keep sucking shit for the next two weeks. And then you'll see us again in April, even though right. that's true. Which is what for some, that is the saberest version of that. The math is not in our favor. How dare you, sir? Any major league hitter, a 300 hitter, the math is not in his favor. So, you know what I mean? Like there's just, you can't say that. That's just a big faux pas. And I'm definitely going to hone in on Gabe Kapler's, culpability and what's going on here, which is if not an unraveling, then a degradation, the likes of which we would not have assumed when the season began and would not have assumed in year five of this particular front office. But before we get on into all that, Doug, how are you feeling about the season being over? (laughs) Pretty good. So yesterday, uh, let me put it like this. Let me put it like this. Yesterday, I got off work at about 2.30. Uh, I checked the score of the Giants game. Diamondbacks are up 3-1, top of the seventh. I go, oh, okay. I get in my car. Uh, I put a podcast on. I do not listen to the Giants game. By the time I got home, about 20 minutes later, the Giants were down 7-1. to one. <laughs> <laughs> the, there, was, there was no part of me that thought it would be worth it to listen to the Giants game. There was no part of me that thought that felt guilty about skipping it. Uh, I got home and I checked the score and I, I wasn't even disappointed. Like I basically felt nothing. It's like, uh, it's like watching the bad guy in a movie stomp all over the hero, like halfway through, except the movie sucks and you're going to turn it off. And then you're like, okay, sure. Maybe the, maybe the hero just loses, whatever. It doesn't matter. And then you turn it off and then you just do something else with your life. So uh, the dark night rises. 
Yes, the dark, exactly. So Bane just breaking Batman's back. And that's just the end of the movie to me. I'm like, oh, well, I, I guess he can't walk anymore. That sucks. What a, what a movie. What else is on? <laughs> they were going through that sewer water like it didn't have any human waste in it. That's a, <laughs> that's a part of the movie that drove me absolutely nuts. I'm like, no one's reacting to the sewer water whatsoever. <laughs> that's, as though that's I most if I were to rank my reactions that that's number one. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about some specific giants parts that are along those same lines, because these are, you know, these are professional athletes or superheroes. We'll just talk real quick. Alex Cobb has a hip impingement and that placed him on the 15 day IL, which started yesterday. So that would take him out of the rest of this regular season. Theoretically, even though the math is not in their favor, he would be available for a playoff round. I'm a little suspicious it would be the first round. But it is possible just the way the calendar works out that it could be for the for the wild card, the first wild card round. Um, Alex Cobb had, I think we're going to walk away saying like he had a good season. He had that one hitter. He had that all-star appearance. Uh, he had a tremendous first eight or so starts. He, he was the worst pitcher on the staff in the second half, Doug. Like, I'm not yeah. exaggerating. Like, by wins above replacement and innings pitched, like, in 60 innings or whatever, he had a minus 0.2 fan graphs wins above replacement. That is the worst. Like, he's there's a couple of other people who are, like, 0.2 as well, minus 0.2. But he had 60 innings. You know, and he was supposed to be their co-ace. And uh, and I'm sure that one hitter helped bring it up to that level. But he had like a 525 ERA. And the FIP was, I think, even higher than that. Um, you know, maybe some bad batted ball luck. But we saw that his stuff was not quite the same. It looks like the hip impingement was a part of this. We've talked about this in the past. Alex Cobb's health is a thing. That is part of... The, the the dossier when you get, you know, the, the profile of Alex Cobb, here's your target, you know, that that's an injury is the thing of his. I was reading about hip impingements and I don't wish that on most people. Look, it sounds absolutely <laughs> painful, dreadfully painful. And the fact that he was pitching at all with it. Um, yeah, that's what Buster Posey had too, right? Where the, and then they had to shave his bone for the surgery. Yeah, I think that so, seems right. Yeah, yeah. so... Great, but I think we're going to wind up saying he had a good season. I'm okay with it, that being the case. But, I mean, you dig down, you drill down a little bit, you see that it was a tale of two halves. Hopefully, it all the surgery all works out. The Giants have a $10 million option on him. I'm very much looking forward to seeing him pitch for them next season. I mean, I hope it all works out rehab-wise, all that stuff. If he winds up having to have surgery, which isn't a guarantee, but uh, yeah, good, good pitcher, uh, kind of a, another sign that this season really went in the toilet and then that toilet fell into a sinkhole and then that sinkhole went all the way to the center of the earth. Um, just that this is happening right at the end here. <laughs> right. I mean, pretty much like you can't be too, you can't be unhappy with Alex Cobb. You know, a guy gets hurt, you know, a guy's likely to get hurt. He gets hurt. It happens. Uh, the, you know, the one plus side I see is that now I get to to call my newsletter from the offseason the Giants should trade Alex Cobb right now. I'd be like, yeah, I was right. See, nailed it. 
Um, <laughs> That's so. true. That is true. <laughs> Just think if they had taken an extra step back, not, you know, what could have been because of how good he was. The thing about Cobb is, you know, he could come back next year and still be a good pitcher. It's very reasonable to hope for that. Um, it's not obviously completely likely. So Buster Posey had his hip uh, procedure in 2018. He came back in 2019. He was not particularly good. Then he took all of 2020 off from playing baseball and was great in 2021. But that's not a timeline that would help out the Giants with Alex Cobb. Um, But on the other hand, you know, we don't know what kind of procedure it's going to be. Neither Brian nor I is a doctor. I know that's surprising uh, that we don't have medical expertise because we are always talking about our medical expertise. But um, (laughs) it, it could be that it's a more minor procedure. It could be that it's more routine than we know. And he could be back next year pitching well. And hey, you know, maybe uh, it's one of those things Mike Kirko always used to say, that sinker ballers are good when they're throwing like garbage. So maybe <laughs> maybe he'll come back and, and have a 230 ERA and 140 innings. Well, the other part is, you know, he's not in the crouch most of the game, right? So there there is another difference there between he and Buster Posey. But he was saying in this interview that, you know, he's pitching or he was trying to pitch around the pain. And that caused other issues. So you don't want you don't want arm issues happening because of the of the hip. Uh, this was sort of late breaking news yesterday, so I didn't have a chance to dump it into our rundown for today. But we should talk about this because it looks like Brandon Crawford is on the IL, and that shuts down that effectively ends his season, which more than likely ends his Giants career. And uh, that is not the way any of us wanted to see that happen. Uh, so that is a huge bummer that that actually makes me more upset than the state of the Giants as a team, that this is the end of the Brandon Crawford era. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, he's not going to be the only one. Tim Lincecum's Giants career ended similarly. Uh, I think Brandon Belt's ended similarly last year. And Lincecum and Belt both caught on with other teams. Belt uh, had more success than, than Lincecum did. Um, but you know, you want to be able to give a guy a, a big round of applause when he's actually on the field. And they're not going to get that with Crawford. Fans aren't going to get that with Crawford. Um, that that particular kind of closure is not going to happen. I can't imagine the Giants re-sign Crawford next year. Um, you know, e- even if he wants to play, I think this team has to move on from him. Uh and so there is always going to be kind of that gap that's just there. But at the same time, you know, Brandon Crawford had one of the all-time great Giants careers. Uh, and so you have to kind of appreciate everything he's brought, even if this year wasn't, you know, he was hurt. He was not very effective. Um, but that's not what we'll remember from him. Uh, we'll just remember him being, being Brandon Crawford and catching everything at shortstop and being very handsome like annoyingly <laughs> handsome and hit, hitting that grand slam against Pittsburgh very handsomely. Damn. Very handsome twice. Yeah. I mean, he, he does handsome things handsomely. Yeah. So that, Stupid. that all tracks for me. Yeah. Stupid, sexy Crawford. <laughs> he will end his giants career as the only giant in San Francisco history to have more than 300 plate appearances and a sub 200 batting average. So that's the other bummer. That's not what you want. 
for that. Um, in the entire history of the Giants or San Francisco Giants, he'll be the, you know, and knowing his story and all that stuff, that stings. That's got to stink at the end of the day. But yes, his career, the positives outweigh the negatives by quite a lot. We can always discuss the wisdom of Farnsidey giving him that two-year extension. I mean, it seemed like a no-brainer at the time from a PR perspective, but these are the things that we kind of will probably talk about here in a little bit. And it's like, also, you know, what do the Giants have after Brandon Crawford? They're kind of in that situation now. I guess we're going to see Marco Luciano really take over there. Wow, Paul DeYoung, who would have thought? He didn't catch on. How did that happen? <laughs> Hashtag forever giant, baby. <laughs> I mean, I guess we've talked about Brandon Crawford so much. Remember when I would like give you assignments and stuff like just like we've done the Brandon Crawford championship era, all that stuff. And that's not to say I don't mind talking about Brandon Crawford. It's just amazing to think he's still on the team, even in the post success era, even when he had his, his, you know, return to form or that one last gasp of brilliance in 2021 even that nice cool couple weeks he had last year it's just so bizarre to be like wow we're still talking about the end of brandon crawford's career what an amazing professional baseball career he has had not just the childhood team playing and all that stuff but also just like defying the odds right from the very beginning a a no hit all glove shortstop not the case you know, it just defied it all the time. So big congratulations to him. And that that's I'm I found something happy to talk about with the Giants. I can't believe it right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're we're gonna throw it to this promo uh, for the Oakland Warriors podcast. That's the Golden State Warriors podcast on Fans First Sports Network. We'll be right back in one minute. Hey, all you Golden State Warriors fans out there, you got to tune in to the Oakland Warriors podcast, the official dubs podcast of Fans First Sports Network. It's awesome. It's hosted by Patrick Epino and a rotating crew of guests who follow this franchise for decades, just like Doug and I have with the Giants. The show dives deep into all things Warriors, both on the court and off. Will the Dubs be legit contenders this year? Is Steve Kerr actually going to play Jonathan Kaminga enough to have a breakout year? Will the Chris Paul trade be a blessing or a curse? I'm very interested to know that myself. And most importantly, can Steph win another title or maybe two? The show takes an all-encompassing look at the greatest team in the NBA. No hot takes, no agendas, no bluster, and no goofy knee-jerk reactions. Just smart, insightful Warriors talk about the past, present, and future from one of the best in the business. Tune in and subscribe to the People's Podcast, the Oakland Warriors Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Oakland Warriors. Let's go! Let's talk about this Tom Verducci article that floated around was it monday or is it tuesday right before the game um it doesn't matter uh, it's tuesday tuesday okay 19th yeah tom verducci for si.com the giants are mlb's most boring postseason contenders i love the verducci voice that was great Uh, the lead is San Francisco deploys a tedious yet efficient game plan. And while it may not be the most compelling approach, it has been effective to a degree. Um, and basically it's like, I don't want to watch a baseball team manage like a mutual fund. And it's kind of a weird thing. Like I know other teams do it. They've had injuries. I just don't like watching them play and I don't like the way they're approaching it. But all that said, it kind of works. So, but <laughs> Last so like basically from last week on, there's been a lot of 
angst in the fandom. I think Heimblum being fired by the Red Sox really kicked that off, right? Um, where people were like, oh, the Giants front office and all that stuff. We'll talk about the those implications in a second because I had a hand in something happening. I have to take credit for. I mean, no one's going to give it to me except for me. So I'm going to take it in a second. In a second. But right now, you read the Verducci article, right? Uh, yes, Doug? Okay. I did. Borderline boomer horseshit. There was, it was very close to being a Joe Morgan-esque rant on analytics, sabermetrics, statistics, you know, that kind of thing. At the same time, Mike Kruko has commented on it. Grant Brisby wrote about this in The Athletic. Like, oh, he's got some points that are that are valid. Um, and just the idea, though, that the Giants aren't entertaining. They're not fielding an entertaining product. That makes sense to me. I'm, I'm with it. I'm for it. I guess what I want to talk about, if you want to talk about the particulars of the article, that's fine. We can do that. But what I want to talk about is the timing of it. That there is something very intentional about the timing, it felt like. Because it was in that gap when they had the off day or, you know, right before the, the game started that night. And I'm wondering, like, what is, if not Verducci's rooting interest, what's SI's rooting interest? What's the league's rooting interest or MLB network? Well, the Cubs, you know, you want the Cubs in there and the Cubs have been sliding of late. So the Giants hold all these tiebreakers, right? So why not just put out an article that basically says they're doing what every other team is doing, but I don't like it. I don't like that they're doing it. I just think it was like a, an article that was put out there to psych people out, to just put it, to poison the the, the body of excitement and uh, interest and maybe even get in the Giants' heads a little bit. Like, by the way, you're about to have this big series in Arizona. You suck. That's what it read to me more than anything, just because of the timing. So here's here's my counterpoint to that. I think uh, Tom Verducci was looking at the standings like, oh, let's see what's going on with the Giants. And then he watched the whole Colorado series. <laughs> I, I mean, because the, the, the problem is, <laughs> the, the thing is, like, he's not wrong about the particulars. The Giants are kind of a dull team. Like, they don't have explosive talent, especially on the offensive side, right? They don't have someone who has a ton of power. They don't have anyone who's particularly fast. They don't have anyone who's really exciting. Um, they, they tried to get a couple of those guys over the off season and one said no. And the other, uh, we know about him. The, you know, so it's, it's not that he's wrong in the particulars. I don't really think that anyone was like, Hey, Tom, go, uh, I'm going to use some kids slang. Tom, go riz up the Cubs by, Op anti-rizzing the Giants. Uh, <laughs> I I think he probably like was. Why checking... wouldn't dis? Why did wouldn't dis be still in play if you've got Riz now? Riz I, and I, dis. I just can't imagine it is right. That the only the only slang term that's allowed to go from generation to generation is cool. All the other ones have to be changed out. That's that's <laughs> that's a rule of the universe. <laughs> But I think, you know, he was trying to figure out what the Giants deal is, maybe trying to know what, you know, come up with an article about them. And all he saw was just, God, they're boring. And they're like, so I, boring. I, I do. I do empathize with, empathize with that because they're boring. Um, on the other hand, like all this, like it's analytics fault. I mean, they, they don't have enough good players or talented, like enough players with that kind of talent that you want to watch that they're then just kind of 
well, all right, we got to do our best with the analytics. That's pretty clearly what's going on with the team right now. And they, you know, they're coping. It's their record is probably better than it should be based on talent. But yeah, I mean, they're not a good team. They're not an entertaining team. So from that perspective, I kind of see where he's coming from. Yes. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with the premise. I am just saying, like, I feel like there is maybe a, just a, a shade more going on here than just like, hey, did anyone else? It's what you said in part, like, hey, did anyone else notice that the Giants stink? But it's like, why? There's the other tack that could have been taken is like, how how are they still in the race? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but that wasn't the take. That wasn't the tone that they went with. That wasn't the, even the conclusion that it arrived at. So I don't know. I just thought it was worth pointing out. Oh, I, one final thought on the Verducci thing, because you mentioned the Rocky series. This is, I think, both the positive and negative of us doing the weekly show, or even when we were doing twice a week, we weren't really recapping the series or specific games. And I think sometimes that hurts us. And we might pull a, a certain moment out, but I think it helps us in the large part because we can just kind of talk about it and, you know, you can think about things as you're watching the game, or hopefully we're saying some things you thought about while watching the games. But also it feels like it just dates us really instantly. If we're like this week, we're going to recap, like who cares? Why, why do you want to relive that? So <laughs> the, the Rocky series was awful. It was a painful, painful event. The, the Diamondback series was like, well, I'm already dead. What, what more can they do to me? Um, oh, they're kicking my corpse. Well, <laughs> guess what sucker? I don't even feel it. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. So now the next subject, which is, again, larger conversation going on about the front office, the course, the direction of the team, 
all that stuff. What the hell is going on with the Giants? Doug, before we started recording, I was eating a big bowl of raspberries, and I, and along with many other Giants fans, I believe yourself included, we have nothing but a big bowl of raspberries for the Giants front office. Just a bunch of <laughs> and <laughs> and <laughs> all the raspberries you could make towards them. Just a bunch of farts right now. That entire group. Uh, I mentioned, you know, made fun of Gabe Kapler for saying the math is not in our favor because it's silly for him to say that when his team is like turning to dust right in front of him. And he's still deciding to be like, I'm an elected official and I'm just going to play both sides of the fence and have a neutral voice and a no reaction. Uh, He did let it slip after uh, the win in Colorado. He needed a double shot of whiskey. But again, I was mentioning Chaim Bloom being fired, kind of kicking off this weird anxiety on Twitter, which uh, compelled me to write this article up about Oh, the Giants have the right guy for the job. And this is the credit I'm going to take for that. Because very soon after that article was published, the Giants put out a statement. That they're committed to Farad Zaidi and Gabe Kapler for another season. So I just, you know, the timing of that was such that somebody read it or saw the headline. And they were like, well, we need to address this so it doesn't get out of control. But that's my own credit. You don't have to agree with me. My bigger point, though, is. I still hold on to that, even though I just wrote that a week ago, Doug. And in the week since I've written that, they have they've gone uh, one and five. It's been a disaster. Uh, they're you know they're dead for all intents and purposes for this season. It's gone bad. Um, do you remember just last week? There was mild optimism. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do remember that. I uh, I actually personally tried to get in on the optimism game. Because like maybe more people will read this if it's optimistic, and uh, the Giants just uh, took a shit on me. Yeah, so that's that's what they do. But I mean, you know, the Gi- they were they were not in a bad position this time a week ago. They were doing reasonably well. They'd had a not unsuccessful homestand. Um, they they hold all the tiebreakers. They hold all they, the tiebreakers. They, they hold, hold all tie the tiebreakers. Break- <laughs> you know, as much as Coors Field is like a, a house of horrors, um, you know, the Giants have absolutely dominated the Rockies for several years now, even there. So you're like, you know, all you have to do is keep playing well against the Rockies, carry the momentum into Arizona, survive against the Dodgers, beat the Padres, survive against the Dodgers again, and there's a chance. You know, that's kind of that was kind of the math at the time. And now the team is dead because they didn't do the first two of, the, of those things. And let's be honest, the other ones are pretty implausible. So to defend my, I don't even feel like I'm defending my position. My position ha- remains unchanged. I'm trying to say like, I'm as angry as the rest of the fans are not the racist ones. Cause I'm sure that's in there. To me, it makes complete sense that you can say, yes, this is the right person for the job. And this person should take a whatever insults or criticism you can level at them should be fired directly. <laughs> because to what extent do I need to be rational about this team that I'm covering when I'm not like part of a news organization or, you know what I mean? Like I'm doing a fan podcast. Like I don't have to take the tenure view on these things. I get why everyone's mad. I'm, I guess why, why I say in terms of like, why is still the right person for the job of like, I can't imagine who would be better right now because it's what you said. The giants are kind of in this situation where 
these are the circumstance. They are under a set of circumstances, whether it's from ownership, from the culture at large, or, you know, the way the industry is moving, you know, what players feel about playing for them, whatever, that they're just kind of like, they have a very uh, defined path that they can walk right now. And they have to hope like what they're waiting for is, well, while I'm walking down that path, hopefully an ice cream truck pulls up alongside me or hopefully a, a Brinks gold truck overturns and I can pick up a bar of gold, whatever. But that seems to be where they're at. To me, baseball GMs fall into two camps. Andrew Friedman, Farhan Zaidi, David Stearns, and then Steve Phillips. Those are the only, like, that's a, on one side, you've got the guys at the three I mentioned. You've got Friedman, Stearns, Zaidi. And on the other side, you've got Steve Phillips, which I guess is Mike Rizzo is as close as it gets now. But that's kind of it. It's like, it, it's a very fine line between, you know, it's, I think 40 Giants fans are also 49ers fans a lot of times. It's very hard to watch a team where they, Let's. I don't think this is dishonest. We are. We've been presented with this is the baseball. Bill Walsh is not an unfair assessment of how Zaidi has been promoted, either by by his people, by the team. You know, over the last five or six or eight years, you know, like he's a genius, a wonderkin. He, you know, he pitched himself in an industry he was. You know, he never worked in before and got in. And so I think that promotion uh compared to the reality creates angst and and confusion and then you've got like the supporters of that telling people constantly well you're an idiot you just don't get baseball or you don't understand or you can't see it or everyone is you know it's it's kind of creating this weird why can't we all just be on the same page and be really upset at the team like, I thought that would be pretty straightforward why we have to, like, attack each other at this point to be like, oh, you're, you're not seeing the the bigger picture. You're not seeing all the positives when it's just like, but even the people who are supporting the front office are like, they can't, you can't argue if they have a worse record this year than last year, that that there's still something noble about how the season went down. Oh, we graduated some prospects. Yeah, but you were worse. Like what, what happened? So I, I guess what I'm getting at is like, there's the nuances in this. He might as well finish out his contract. The Giants picked up his option. You can tangibly see player development, player movement. You could see that the pitching for most of the season was actually a really strong point. The offense though. I mean, let's face it. That was a small sample size mirage that people really smart people got caught up in. I mean, it's not unusual for a team to be a better hitting team in the first couple of months than the league adjusts and then they fall apart. That's not unreasonable. Oh, the injury's there. Well, then your depth didn't really help you, did it? If the injuries were that intense. Also, the Giants got so many pitchers, right? They, they got so many pitchers to deal with depth or for injury reasons, but a combination of ineffectiveness and injury ate into that depth and they didn't, I'm going to have to, I can't believe I'm like fully siding with Andrew Baggerly's kind of late season troll. He's very famous for, he's always able to like pick a pet troll and then drop it in. And it kind of upsets everybody. It's like, why weren't you saying this at the deadline? But the giants didn't make any, they didn't get a starting pitcher at the deadline that could have helped them right now. So it, and I guess what I'm getting at is Zaidi 
said in his interview, he was focusing on Gabe helped turn the team around in April when he started six and 13. We believe in this hitting group in September because they were good in June. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's a, like there is like this weird public statement of we made all of our choices before the season started and nothing was going to push us off that path. Cause that's how confident we were in them. That's what it feels like. And the choices, the results kind of bear that out, but I could be wrong, but can't we all just be mad at the front office is my larger point. I, I can be mad at the front office. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, you know, basically you can make excuses. You can give all the reasons that you want that things went the way they did, but this team has now been, they were a 500 team last year and it would be surprising if they were, if they were that good this year. I mean, you, at this point, you have to expect them to lose more games than they're going to win over the last part of the season. Um, and that has to fall in the front office. I mean, they can't be like, whoa, we, we didn't know we were going to have injuries. Yeah, they did. You don't, you don't sign Mitch Haniger and Michael Conforto and be like, well, 300 games between those two guys. I mean, they put together an old lineup with a lot of guys who are over the hill, who, who aren't what they were, uh, guys who are creaky parts whatever parts those are. And then they, they filled the minors with the kind of depth that was not ready yet for the majors. And they go, well, you know, whatever, it's going to go the way it goes. I, I mean, I don't know. It's, they're not that good. Uh, and they're not that good because of the front office. Now, is there going to be any better? I, I doubt it. Uh, for all the, for all the shit we're given the front office right now, like they've done a good job rebuilding the farm system. It seems for the long term. But at some point, the long term has to become now or else you go out there and you wait for the Phillies to fire Dave Dombrowski so you can hire him. Um, but we you know, know what Dave just... Dombrowski's going to do. He's just going to spend big money on a couple of big free agents on yeah, very long term deals. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it works. So, you know, the Giants need something that works right now. And it I could think be that it works next what? year. You're, that's true. That, and I think that's the that's maybe part of the a calculation, the gamble of getting a Hanniger and Conforto and even Stripling and Mania, because Stripling and Mania were flawed players when they signed them. Like when we smart fans put on our glasses and dug into the numbers, we're like, well, the Giants probably can make a few tweaks. They'll have a they'll sequence them different. Right. It was all born of like we are making this choice because we believe the subsequent choices will uh will affirm this main choice and i think you're completely right like they were gambling and they have largely they've lost on most of their gambles you said they're not sexy because or fun to watch because of the talent on the hitting side but the pitching side also like it's a bunch of contact guys except for camilo toval right it's they're not getting a lot of strikeout and velocity for the most part you're just getting a bunch of of contact guys i'm saying kyle harrison but that leads me to my next bit here. You got Kyle Harrison and Wade Meckler coming up. Those were clear panic moves that the front office made. And so this is where it gets into the smugness, I think, is also, you know, human beings have mob mentality. You know, groups are dumb. Individuals can have a certain sense about them. Uh, intelligence can also include emotional intelligence. People believe a dodge or a hustle 
or, you know, just not a grift, but like when people are trying to deny reality to make themselves look better. I think a guy like Gabe Kapler, he's very concerned with what other people think about him. There's nothing about him I've ever seen or read that would indicate he doesn't care what people think about him. In fact, the exact opposite. (laughs) Everything he's ever said or done indicates he cares very deeply about what people think about him. I can't imagine people have talked about imposter syndrome, all that stuff. Imposter syndrome is very normal. It doesn't have to be like a a chronic condition, right? Just some days you're like, I don't know if I can be myself today. You know, like for anxiety, again, got that job because he's a very intelligent guy. But, you know, it there's going to be moments where he's like, do I know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Cause he, you know, but they, they are very good at covering or projecting a very processed image, which I think again, to the emotional intelligence or just, you know, people watching politicians, there's a certain artificiality to it that grates on you. So they never say the opposite from Brian Sabian and even Bobby Evans, Bobby Evans couldn't afford to be dishonest because he, was basically, you know, born of that system. He knew what he was inheriting. So he couldn't really like navigate his way. He can lie his way through things or, or generalize things to make everyone look a little bit better. Brian Sabian, I am not an idiot getting into call, you know, getting into arguments with radio show hosts, getting drunk in the sunset, you know, it's like, these are, that's a different style. And he made a lot of mistakes publicly or said a lot of things Main, mainly, he said a lot of things that people could latch on to. And this group doesn't, which I think only makes people more upset. But I, I'm going to give you a couple of things. Never forget that Far Anxiety stormed out of that TV interview last year when they were booting the ball over the field. And it was clear, you know, the, team's, the team wasn't going to make the playoffs. And he was in the booth with Crook and Kipe, two very respected, or was that John Miller was in the booth at that time? Whoever it was, it was Giants broadcasters, very respected in the in the community there, the Giants fandom. And he just left in the middle of it. So that's a that's a sign that when the going gets tough, when it gets really embarrassing, it gets harder for him to be accountable. I'm just giving you little glimpses of their humanity here. <laughs> a little his last radio hit on KMBR in Colorado. I just think it was funny. He didn't say anything that was he was talking about Gabe's work in April you know, the team could have been a mess and they didn't fall apart. And then talking about the small sample sizes of their offense, like in June or whatever, May and June. And it's like, that's just like that you're, that's the kind of sloppy analysis that a lot of fans get smacked down for. And that there you are invoking it, but his phone cut out, it just died. You know what I mean? Like it's just, there is a imperfection to what they're even presenting now. And then Gabe Kapler was saying the math is not in our favor. How about, how about this? How about they were six and 13 in April, right? Well, guess what? In their last 19 games, they're seven and 12. In the, in the 19 before that, Doug, they were seven and 12. So they've had a lot of six and 13 type stretches this season. They're 27 and 35 in the second half. They're dangerously close to second half 2016 Giants there. Uh, they're 10 and 25 on the road in the second half. Five and nineteen since August first. These are objective numbers, statistics that that put cracks in the veneer, the, the cracks in the image they're trying to present. So yes, people are angry and have every right to be, but also just like reflect on they know 
that they <laughs> fucked up. They know people are pissed. And you can see the cracks by how they react to just simple facts being presented to them. I guess the other part to talk about, which is not tied into things are falling apart behind the scenes, at least I don't think, is that there's a, a minor brain drain going on in the personnel department. Brian Bannister, the director of pitching, he's left to go to the Chicago White Sox. Uh, and they lost uh, a cross checker. And I think one other guy right now, I couldn't, I couldn't remember. Uh, Roger Munter, and I think it's uh, Giants Prospects on Twitter. They surmise that Pete Patilla's kind of revamping the player development pipeline. And that's what's going on here. But also with Brian Bannister, I just want to point out, like, there's a COVID, COVID variant and a likely winter wave of COVID uh, cases. And uh, he's like not been around the team hardly at all because he refuses to be vaccinated. And I think he was doing a lot of his stuff remotely and he was kind of treating the Giants job. Or I should say maybe he was simply being paid in a way where it was more like not his full time job. He had side gigs as well. So I'm not casting aspersions except for the COVID stuff. I'm just saying the losing their player of pitching development that could be seen as like, Oh, they're trying to clean house and trying to cover their asses. And I don't know, Pete Patilla could just as easily be assigned, you know, his hire at the beginning of the year could have been a sign of them covering their asses because they're smart enough to project like this season's not going to go as well as we thought it would. We really need to get someone in here who's going to fix it. Like that's just as likely too. they are that smart. But uh, any comments on this brain drain? Uh, I mean, it all seems kind of standard. I mean, for Giants fans, it's a little bit unusual because for so long, the Giants were such an insular organization. Um, like for years, there was basically no front office, front office turnover. That was one guy leaving a giant's job for another job. Um, like it felt like that never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now the giants have a well-regarded front office. You're going to lose guys. I mean, Bannister in particular, uh, it, who knows, right? Like it, you don't know how much of it is a cultural mismatch with being in San Francisco and not the kind of person who would not get vaccinated for COVID. Um, it's hard to say really how good of a job he's done. This team has pitched like absolute dog shit on the road for two months now. I, you know, what is he really doing? That's so good. Um, so, you know, it could be that the White Sox were giving him an opportunity. He wasn't going to get in San Francisco financially or in terms of influence or some sort of, I don't know, philosophical kind of, mismatch that has kind of grown over the last couple of years. Um, Cause probably it was much more of a big happy family in 2021 when they were winning a ton of games and they stopped doing that. And you kind of start, start nitpicking. Um, you know, we're, we're not really going to know the ins and outs there, but it, I, it also just seems kind of normal. Like guys leave one job for another job. It's fine. Uh, it happens, and the Giants could use some new blood, I think, on both sides, pretty much all over the organization, to sort of look at what went wrong this year and fix it, because the guys they had weren't doing it. And we say what went wrong. I mean, that's not to that's not to say that n- nothing went right. Obviously, that's, I mean, I think the anger is, for some people, it's like it's not enough, it's not good enough. And I, I respect actually respect that point of view you would think if you as a fan who pays money 
Uh, Mike Kruka reminds that it costs a hundred dollars now to park near the stadium. Uh, I did pay that amount. That was uh, that was obscene, <laughs> and that as a result, that influenced what I bought in the stadium. But anyway, you know, it's very expensive to go to games. It's very expensive. To, you know, it's a time commitment, even though now with the pitch clock, the time is shorter. Uh, and so if you don't feel like you're getting the value of watching them and maybe some people just can't let go of the fact like, well, I just remember seeing them being really good, like championship level. good. <laughs> like it's still pretty fresh in my mind, but uh, this is nothing like that. I, I respect that. Uh, but yeah, the, the turnover feels like, I think it gets tricky when you hear max mass exoduses, right? But Bannister's been with them quite just quite long enough, and Patilla's in. It all kind of makes sense with that, and I'm glad I was able to find read that perspective of like this is probably just the new GM wanting more of his people or system in place, and because he is a player development guy, so that makes sense. All right, Doug, can I fire a few questions at you? I put too much time on the on the clock here and the rundown. It won't take this long. But I have a, a series of questions I want to ask you because you'll have a better answer than I I will. Ready? Sure, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Should Gabe Kapler be on the hot seat? Uh, I think he should be on the hot seat next year. I think next year is kind of be the the one. Because um, I so if they I don't go know. seventy six and eighty six, if they don't win another game this season, you think no? Well, if they don't win another game this season, then probably he'll lose the clubhouse and he'll have to go. But if you look at the problems of the team, it seems like it's more personnel. He's He doesn't have better but buttons to push. Like at some point that'll come back on him. But for now, I think it's it's more in the front office. Um, and we'll have to see. An incredible moment in that reading the pitching performance in the second half. Alex Wood's been basically a replacement level pitcher. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> it's so much better than we thought. Uh-huh. Do you feel betrayed by the team after your optimism post? That's right, Doug. I read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, though, the, my readers should probably feel betrayed by me. if They bought into that. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, you know, you get into a weekend and you're like, you know what? They're technically contending. I might not have another chance to write something optimistic. People like optimism. Let's let's go for it. Uh, it did not work out. Is, is it my fault that Camilo Duvall blew the save the first game in Colorado? Probably. Is, is it my fault that Camilo Duvall tried to blow a non-save because the Giants were up by so many runs when he came in the last game in Colorado? Yes, probably. Um, but, you know, you, you watch baseball because you want to have something to be excited about. You want to have hope. And I was like, I am going to grab onto this hope. And the hope said, do not grab me. That is sexual assault. So <laughs> I am sorry. Uh, and I I won't do it again. Yes, I will. If they're remotely good next year, because I would like them to be good. We both wrote about this, but what happened to Camilo Duvall? It's hard to like, it's, it's really hard to shake. And I barely mentioned this in my article. It's really hard to shake the idea that it's, he pitched in the WBC and got his season started too early. It does seem to really throw pitchers off like more than it throws off hitters um, to get to be pitching full, full steam competitive games a month before you should be. Um, and I don't know if that's actually the problem, but the way his stuff has 
really declined this year in basically every way. Uh, it is something that I kind of look at suspiciously. Full mile per hour off of all of his pitches. Uh, the slider is not, he can't use it. It's not a, a pitch he can use at all. It's getting absolutely crushed. Uh, concentration has never been his strength this season. And so couple it, couple that with the diminished stuff. It's, it's looked like the disaster that it is. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been tough to watch. Um, I do want to say this because you bring up a, an interesting point that reminded me that I was going to say in the previous segment, which was that, you know, the giants are very much part of this whole, the analytics wave, whatever wave we're in the third wave, I don't know where it's like, you know, you got the, that Sixers joke, long running Sixers joke, the process focus on the process, you know, and then that gets, because the baseball season's so long, there's so many players, so many teams, so many games, variables, blah, blah, blah. You can't focus. You can't control the outcomes, right? Uh, a team that goes zero and one sixty-two, but for some reason gets dropped into a three-game series, they could win that series. So ultimately, outcomes don't matter. Completely irrelevant. It's just about the process. Just focus on that. Don't care about wins and losses. Pitcher wins losses doesn't matter, which I agree with because they don't control a lot of that. But anyway, with my point is that that's feels a lot more like a dodge of someone trying to keep their job and deflect criticism. But within that, in reality, the organizations, the firms that commit to that, we're going to be you know, as clear on process. We're going to refine our processes. It's all about the process. Your processes get measured. <laughs> so your processes have their own outcomes within them. And I wonder if the Giants process, I don't know, a bunch of people get COVID in the clubhouse and their brains are broken or something, and they can only focus on swing decisions. Is it really just about swing decisions? Like it's like it's the Anton Chigger thing. If if the rules brought you here, of what use was the rule at this point? And it's just like, will they evaluate their own processes? And I guess why I'm bringing that up in relation to Camilo Duvall is that one of the innovations we thought they would have was that they would be on the bleeding edge of of like player health and, you know, uh, uh, rehab or bounce back, you know, just keeping them fresh throughout the season. Now, maybe just the WBC stretches that regardless. And the fact that he's gotten even this far is, is the, the plusing is the innovation, but it just tells you that there are limits to all this stuff. And that sometimes 150 years of the sport can be a data point. You don't just have to throw it all out the window because you didn't come up with it. That's all. That's all it made me think of. Got really upset. <laughs> all right, the Athletic did an expose on the Padres. Do you think we'll get one on the on the Giants? It's looking like uh, they're going to wind up with a worse record than last year. I'm going to say no. I think the Giants are also boring in the front office. <laughs> I think they're they're like maybe kind of passive aggressive, like but they don't do anything interesting. That's the coldest article you could write. You could write that <laughs> article and say the Giants are not even interesting enough to write an expose on. They had a plan. Their plan was based on a series of limitations, constrictions, market realities that they found themselves in. They committed to choices that they could make within that, which weren't like the most desirable choices, but it's what they could do. And the, the outcome they got reflected 
that process. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think you're probably right, but I, I wonder if we'll get something a little more surprising comment-wise. Probably not from Greg Johnson. Definitely not from Larry Bear, because he's going to have to answer for that light bulb comment in the offseason. Oh, and, yeah. And watching him deflect that or get upset at someone... I mean, I just don't want to see Larry Bear, so I'm, it's not that interesting to me to have a gotcha there. I, I mean, I hope it just causes Larry Bear to re- retire and and leave the public spotlight. Well, what if that happens? What if the team is so bad that Larry Bear is the one who gets the chopping block? Like they're well, just no, like Larry. We need no, you. This is I know. My theory. Okay, that the Giants are going to force out Larry Bear and bring in Buster Posey as the new face of the ownership. Let's go, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> that would be, that would, that would, Giants fans, would that not be the panacea? That literally, that would. Well, they would, they would think it is. Like they could sell that as a panacea and that's the important thing. Yeah. That is literally saying, oh, you calling the wolf? Oh, that's <laughs> all you have to say. <laughs> We started at The Dark Knight Rises and we ended on Pulp Fiction. I think that's a great place to start it at. Uh, also, telling people to go read your next optimistic post about the Giants. Right, Doug? Yeah, the next optimistic <laughs> one will uh, probably come up sometime in mid-2024, hopefully. <laughs> they'll, they'll have a good stretch somewhere in there, so I'll be able to be optimistic. But for now, you can read what, what I'm writing this year at giantsdoug.substack.com. Uh, where I write twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, about the Giants. Brian, where can people find you? I'm at McCoveyChronicles.com, and I'm looking forward to saying to Tusking, what is it? Tisk, admonishing people for giving up on the team when they're still not mathematically eliminated from postseason contention in 2024, right? You got to move those goalposts at all times. Yeah, 100%. So you can never look like your projections fell short. you can also check us out uh, at Fans First SN on Twitter and fansfirstsports.com is where you can find all the podcasts on our network for the Warriors, for the 49ers. Uh, those are the only two other teams that, that exist in professional sports in my mind. Um, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts when you get a chance or right there in your Spotify app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Five stars, review. Those would both be great. But if not, we'll be back next week with an all new episode. So until then... Go Giants! <laughs> Go Larry Bear stepping down and Barry Buster Posey taking his place. Yeah. yeah.